just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It's a Friday. We're headed into a weekend. Things should settle down, right? No, not anymore. Every day is a fucking shitstorm. Trauma, drama, tragedy. Always something going on. It doesn't make a difference if it's Wednesday or Sunday. There's always something going on. Something to cause us concern, to worry us, to scare us, to make us laugh. Every day something is going on, and we're going to talk about some of those things in this particular podcast. But before we do that, I want to read a couple of emails. You know how much I enjoy getting emails from the listeners. I really want you folks to participate in the program, and you can do that by asking questions, making comments, whatever. You can do that by emailing me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Or you can go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voicemail. Always, always, always love to hear from you. So let's get to the emails. Here's the first one. Hey, Mike, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) I have another catchphrase for you. Oh, we're getting a lot of those. He says, recruplicants. Recruplicants use criminal, corruption, and Putin all as one word. Okay, I get it. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. I heard another one, too. Recultikins. You know, the cult part of it. (laughs) We're getting a lot of suggestions. There's a lot of good ones here. I don't know what we're going to do with them. Either throw hashtags on them and see if any of them catch fire. Now, he makes this last comment I find interesting. He says, do you ever talk about Roth IRAs? <laughs> now, now this is Jim in Rochester. I'm not making fun of you. But you have to understand, I don't know jack shit about investments. My wife and I have an investment guy. We sit down with him every three months. We go through what he's doing. And as long as we're making money on the investments, I don't know much about it. So I'm not saying we couldn't talk about Roth IRAs, but I wouldn't be the one that would be commenting on it because I don't know jack shit about it. If you've got some things you want to throw out there, by all means, I'll consider them. We'll talk about it. I mean, there are a lot of people of our vintage who have a lot of investments who maybe don't know what they're dealing with, like me. Um, It's always good to get more information. It doesn't really fit the format, but, you know. It's my fucking show. We'll talk about whatever I want (laughs) or whatever you want. Anyway, thank you, Jim. Thanks for the suggestion, not only in terms of the hashtag, but in programming. (laughs) Honestly, Jim, I don't think we're going to be talking about investments. I don't find it very interesting. And I'm sorry. I'm sure you do, and I'm sure you know a lot about it. I just don't get it. And I can't speak intelligently about it. All right, the next one comes from uh, a woman by the name of, uh, well, can I say her name? I don't know if I can say her name. All right, doesn't matter. I won't say her name, but a woman has sent this email. She says, I am apologize, but I'm listening to your current episode and thought perhaps I should point out Mo Brooks 
in the interview said that Donald Trump had asked him on and off since September 21st. What she's talking about here is Mo Brooks did this interview, and I, I talked about this story in the last podcast. We know Mo Brooks is running for the Senate. He's leaving the House and running for the Senate. And Donald Trump had endorsed him because Mo Brooks is a big kiss-ass of Donald Trump. Well, now there's a number of people in the Republican Party that want to run for that Senate seat. So we have a primary. We have multiple people running in this primary. And as it turns out, Mo Brooks is running a weak third, which means even if he gets some more votes, if he's not in the top two, he won't be in the runoff. So Donald Trump sees this and says, God, I don't want to be hooked to a loser. (laughs) And so he pulls his endorsement. So Mo Brooks gets mad, and he says that uh, in an interview, he says, oh, sure, Donald Trump told me we should rescind the election. (laughs) Get Joe Biden out of there right away and put me in. And I told that story, but I didn't tell the date when this occurred, and that, that says a lot. It was September of 2021. That's like 10 months after the election. That's like eight months after the inauguration. And he's still talking about it in September of 2021. So this woman makes a good point. I'll go on. The timing of the incident or incidents Mo Brooks was mentioning, I think, may explain better why Mo brazenly says he pushed back with Trump and says it is a big lie now. I noticed only half the articles written included this crucial piece of context. I also noticed the clip from uh, the interview also did not include this. So I include a full line below where they quoted him talking to ABC News as at least one source. Okay, so I'm going to read this now. And just a side note from Tuesday, I believe, Craig Unger's book, House of Trump, House of Putin, was released two years back. His most recent book released in 2021 or 2021 is actually American Compromat. He is indeed a good author. He does his due diligence and has been writing about Trump and Russia for a long time. Mainstream media just never gave him airtime to promote his books. Craig states he asked and been turned away despite his long writing career. Living in the outskirts of Philadelphia, I have known Trump's stories for years, and when he ran, I firmly believe Trump was protected by the heads at the many networks, and they let America down looking for ratings versus real journalistic work. Enough about that, I digressed. For for the books, one of Craig's sources is Yuri Schvetz. I don't know that I pronounced that properly, who he befriended to write this book. Yuri is an ex-KGB and very knowledgeable of Putin and with his firsthand knowledge of the KGB in the late 80s and 90s. I have watched them both talk about the recent book, and I will never forget uh, forget that nothing Craig has written has ever been disputed. Perhaps you have seen his documentary. However, as I sign off, I would be remiss not to recommend, free on YouTube now, Active Measures 2018. You will not be disappointed. 
Thanks for your podcast as I look forward to it. Being of a similar age, I enjoy listening to your wrap-up of the prior day's headlines as it brings reassurance that my own thoughts the day before were indeed rational to the news. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Thank you for the information about the books and the corrections and all of that. I appreciate it immensely, and that's some good information. There's a lot of information out there that doesn't get released, doesn't get the publicity it deserves. You know, the fact of the matter is our media is nothing more than what the Republicans are, and that's a bunch of red meat-eating opportunists. They really only care about getting ratings and making money. And if it means saying something that's not true or omitting something that is true, they're more than happy to do it. And it's a sad state of affairs. This is actually a serious problem in this country. We all make choices based on information we receive. And if that information is false or inaccurate, we've got a problem. And the bigger problem is that we've got people looking at different sources with completely different information. People talk about unity in this country, but that will never occur if we aren't all getting the same accurate and true information. And we just are not getting that at all. It's not happening. It's just not happening. So thank you very much for that. And again, I encourage you to send me an email or leave a voicemail. I always love hearing from you. You make the show better when you contact me and reach out to me. Your information, your comments, your opinions are all very valuable here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. All right. Now, if you were looking at news stories yesterday, the top news story of the day, guess what? It doesn't involve Ukraine and Russia, and it doesn't involve the confirmation hearing with Katanji Brown-Jackson, believe it or not. There was yet another bigger story out there. A while back, Ginny Thomas, who is Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, she's a QAnon crazy, a conspiracy theorist, and an organizer of the January 6th insurrection. Now, she may want to debate that, but I think we're finding out that that is true. She said recently that, you know, I actually was at the Capitol on January 6th for the rally. <laughs> yeah, that was a fucking rally, all right. He said, she said, yeah, I was there, but I left early because, well, it was cold. Other than that, I don't really know much about what happened there. I'm totally in the dark. And I thought this was kind of weird. Jenny Thomas, now she's nobody. I mean, she is married to Clarence Thomas, but in the real scheme of things, she's nobody. So why did she feel she needed to make that comment? It seemed very strange, seemed out of place, it seemed out of the blue. And why did she pick now to do it? Well, I think we know now why she did it. Because, you see, the House Select Committee to Investigate the Insurrection released 29 texts between Jenny Thomas and Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Now, in those texts, they discussed ways to overturn the 2020 election. Oh, they were mad. They were ranting. They were raving, talking about election fraud. They were angry. 
In fact, Jenny Thomas said, this is the greatest, biggest heist in the history of America. She said, we need to be relentless in overturning this election and do it by any means necessary. That's what she said. Now, that's a problem, and here's why. Jenny Thomas is married to a gentleman, Clarence Thomas, who sits as a justice on the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice, and he's married to a woman now that has decided to try to overthrow our government. I mean, I guess you can see how there's a conflict of interest. (laughs) I mean, this is absolutely fucking ridiculous that this man, Clarence Thomas, is still sitting on the Supreme Court. Now, when this all came out, it also gave us some clarification. You'll remember when Donald Trump was trying to stop the National Archives from releasing uh, White House documents from around January 6th to the House Select Committee. No, he didn't want that stuff out there at all. He fought it hard. He took it to court. He lost. He took it to an appellate court. He lost. He took it to the Supreme Court. And again, he lost. Those documents were released. But here's the interesting part of this story. While he lost in the Supreme Court, the final vote was 8-1. to And that one dissenter, I'll give you one guess who that fucker was. That was Clarence motherfucking Thomas. Well, isn't that interesting? Because you see, the documents he wanted to be held back, like Donald Trump wanted held back, included those texts. Well, that's a coincidence. That's crazy. How in the world did that happen? Now, here's the weird thing about this story. A week ago today, Clarence Thomas was admitted to a hospital. They said he had flu uh, flu symptoms. Wasn't a big deal. Don't worry about it. He'll be out in a couple of days. But then he wasn't out the next day. He wasn't out the day after that. We started hearing rumors that he might have been on a ventilator. And we're thinking, COVID? You know, he went in with flu-like symptoms. He's on a ventilator. What the fuck is going on? Does he have COVID? But what's weird is we're a week out now. And we know absolutely zero about what's going on with Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice. We don't know. We don't know anything about what's going on because nobody's talking. Not the Supreme Court, not the hospital, not Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny. Not even a text from Jenny. <laughs> so this is weird. Why would they do this? I mean, we're in the middle of uh, a confirmation hearing for placing another Supreme Court justice. One other Supreme Court justice goes into the hospital. I think it's kind of important news to know what's going on with him. I mean, if I was in a position to ask somebody who could answer the questions, I would say, first of all, is Clarence Thomas still sick? And then I would ask, is Clarence Thomas still in the hospital? I think that justifies an answer. 
And the last thing I would ask is, or is Clarence Thomas hiding because he knew what was coming? (laughs) That sounds a little cynical, I know, but uh, think about it. It's interesting timing. Just before this information gets released, just after Jenny Thomas acts like she's innocent with the insurrection, all of a sudden Clarence Thomas gets sick. Now, I'm not trying to be the purveyor of some conspiracy theory. I don't know what happened. But we know what did happen. He went in the hospital, said he'd be out in a couple days, then he wasn't, and now nobody's talking about it. That is weird. I mean, it'd be one thing if it were me or you or somebody else, but this is a Supreme Court justice, kind of an important guy, kind of important to the courts. Now, they did say he would still be involved in some of the oral arguments. He would get it by, I don't know, Zoom or documents or what have you. But he's missed three or four of them already, too. So it's not going like they expected, or at least the way they told us it would. Clarence Thomas is in the wind. Where the fuck is Clarence Thomas? And why is it such a secret? Let me tell you something about this. This is going to be a mess. And the Thomases are in trouble. And Clarence Thomas, above all, knows he's in trouble. You can't be sitting on the Supreme Court and have a wife who is a treasonist, an insurrectionist, who's trying to overthrow our government. That just makes no sense. I mean, fuck, if this were the 1960s and you found a political candidate who maybe had been divorced, he'd be excluded from running for election. That would have been a bridge too far. Now we have something that shows us potential corruption at a scale we've never seen before. It's tainting the highest court in the land. But we don't know anything about it. People are asking her, saying, yeah, we're not talking about that. Why not? What's the problem? Is he sicker than you said he was? Is he hiding because of this problem that's presented to him by way of his wife and the House Select Committee? I don't know. But this is America. The people on the Supreme Court, the people that are the politicians in the United States Senate and in the House of Representatives, they work for us. They are supposed to be there for us. And if they can't be there or there's a problem, we need to know it. And it's going to be interesting to see what we know. Now, as I said, this story was the biggest story of the day yesterday. Not Ukraine and Russia. Not the confirmation hearing. Not the investigations. Of course, there's a lot of other shit going on that we're going to talk about in a minute or so. But this was the biggest story. So now this is exploding over everywhere. I remember well over a year ago, I did a TikTok about Ginny Thomas because there was some unusual things going on here. She was saying crazy conspiratorial things. She was talking about QAnon. She did some crazy shit. In fact, uh, when she was uh, texting with Mark Meadows, she was telling him that there are going to be tribunals and the Biden crime family and other people, Hillary Clinton, they would go on trial in Gitmo in these 
tribunals, and they would be jailed and executed. That's what this bitch was saying, straight out of QAnon. And that would be crazy enough if some woman uh, in her 60s said something like that. But then when you realize she's married to a Supreme Court justice, well, that's fucking troubling. That is truly troubling. Now, I can't say that uh, Clarence Thomas believes the same thing she does, but he's accepting of it. I mean, he fucking lives with her. He may even sleep with her. He eats dinner with her. He eats breakfast with her. You can't have that kind of stuff going on. And then when all this stuff is going on, when things like uh, this situation with the National Archives and releasing the documents, given what we know now, Clarence Thomas should have recused himself. I mean, that is a classic example of when he should recuse himself, but he refused to do that, which I think is kind of stupid. I mean, think about this. The Supreme Court found against Donald Trump eight to one. Had he recused himself, nothing would have changed. By not recusing himself, he makes himself look suspicious. Now, Clarence Thomas... He may not be the greatest guy. He may be corrupt, but he's not stupid. He didn't get on the Supreme Court because he's stupid. Why would he not recuse himself? Unless he thinks none of this information would ever come out. And I think there's a certain amount of arrogance with Republicans, with Donald Trump's administration, clearly Jenny Thomas and some of these other people involved. They didn't think they're going to get caught. They didn't want to step away from it. They'd rather double down and take that risk. And that's what arrogant people do. They take risks because they think they're smarter than everybody else. But it always turns out they're not. And they always get caught. Well, Clarence Thomas, Jenny Thomas, Mark Meadows, they're fucking caught. They're caught Mark Meadows and Jenny Thomas are caught going back and forth, ranting and raving about overturning an election, an election where there's been no evidence of any election fraud at all. And they're going back and forth trying to figure out ways to overturn the election and essentially overthrow our government. This is a chief of staff of the president of the United States. This is Jenny Thomas, the wife of a Supreme Court justice. The level of corruption that this exposes is fucking mind-blowing. We've never, ever seen anything like this before. This is fucking absolutely nuts. As I said, this is going to be a mess. For the longest time, we talked about Jenny Thomas, and it was kind of side stories and People were appalled, and then they got pulled away and focused on something else. Now, that's not going to happen this time. This was a huge story. This exposes a huge amount of corruption. This is going to get legs, and this is, as I said, going to be a fucking mess and big problems for Clarence Thomas, for Mark Meadows, and for Jenny Thomas. I think the first thing we have to find out is where the fuck is Clarence Thomas? Did he leave the country? Is he sick and dying? Is he just hiding under his fucking bed? Who knows? Who knows what's going on? 
But we, as taxpayers and constituents of that Supreme Court, of Donald Trump as president when he was president, as constituents, we have a right to know what's going on, and they have a duty to tell us. This is going to be inter- This may be the most interesting story to see how it shakes out, because I think we're going to find more information and more corruption even deeper than this. That's the one thing I've learned over the last five years or so. I always knew our government had a certain amount of corruption, uh, that it was tainted to a certain amount, that they weren't necessarily working for us. They were working for themselves. We all kind of knew that. But what we're seeing now is exposing way more than any of us could have imagined. And it's pretty disgusting. Our government, our politicians, our people that we are paying to serve us seem to be, come off to be, some of the dirtiest motherfuckers we've ever seen. And that's frustrating. That's disturbing. And now it's on us. We've got to do something about it. People like Jenny Thomas, people like Clarence Thomas, people like this D.A. Alvin Bragg in New York who doesn't want to prosecute Donald Trump. It's on us to keep this above the fold, keep talking loud, keep shoving it down people's throat. I know how the Republicans hate the cancel culture, but this right now is when we need the cancel culture the most. We need people to talk, to keep talking, and keep talking until they can't talk anymore. So we get some action and get some results. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, let's spend a little time talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and that war going on. It's seeming kind of weird as I watch this now. This war in Ukraine is starting to take a turn. Initially, Russia was 100% the aggressor, and Ukraine was on the run. You got this big, powerful nation, this big, powerful army coming in, trying to take over. You don't know what's going on, and you take off. It's scary. But now, Russia is a month into the war that they thought they were going to fight for three days. They're running out of food, fuel, ammunition, and the morale is for shit. It's kind of interesting what's going on there. And I'm getting a sense that the roles are getting reversed. Now that Russia is running out of steam, so to speak, and Ukraine is fighting hard and strong since the beginning, and Russia is running out of everything The roles are getting reversed. Ukraine is starting to be stronger here than Russia. It reminds me of a story. When I think about this situation, it always reminds me of a story in my history. And I'll try to explain it to you after I tell you the story. I'm about 17, 18 years old. We're at graduation parties in our area of town. A friend of mine has a party. He has a big, nice house, has a wrought iron fence around it. We're all there. We're all dressed up nice because it's graduation night. We're partying. We're drinking. We're having a good time. Everything is everything is cool. It's a typical party. We're having a great time. And then these two kind of roguish type of guys show up. And uh, we kind of know them. We don't like them, but we're all partying, so fuck it, whatever. 
But then these two guys start groping the girls, and that was too much. Two of the football players in my class decided they'd set them straight. So they essentially grabbed them by the ear, pulled them around behind the garage, and explained to them why that wasn't (laughs) accepted behavior. And there might have been a little bit of physicality involved in it. So these guys bolted out of there. No big deal. The party starts back up again. Everything's cool. Everybody's happy. Everybody's having a drink. But then these guys come back. They come back. And instead of two guys, now it's four guys. Still not a big deal because we got a big crowd of our crowd of our guys there. But they walk in and guess what? Each one of them is carrying a fucking machete. Literally a fucking machete. A knife. And they start flailing these things around. A couple people got cut. People are going crazy. And they're bolting the hell out of that yard. Including me. Headed for the cars to get locked in a car so you don't get cut by one of these big fucking machetes. It was a crazy thing. These people came in with weapons. They were strong. We got the fuck out. But then after a while, three of the four guys left. And I'm not sure why one guy stayed. But he did. And much like what we're seeing in Russia, Ukraine's war, the tide started to turn. You got all these guys with a little liquor under their belt. They went through this scary situation. But now as they're sitting there locked in their cars, they see one lone guy there. And you can see the collective light bulbs go off in all of their heads. They go, huh. Got all these guys and just that one guy, and they did some fucked up shit. So let's get them. So everybody starts pouring out of the cars. We had a couple of guys that worked in construction in the back of their trucks. They had some two by fire fours. Uh, they had some cinder blocks, and people were grabbing fucking everything. There's this one guy standing there. I saw one guy throw a cinder block at him and actually hit him with it. Another guy threw smaller bricks at this guy. They were punching and pushing him, and he went to the ground, as you would expect when a bunch of people were going after him. Now, I will tell you up front, I had my share of fights when I was young. I was not involved in the violence at all in this situation. I knew this wasn't going to go well, but I was there watching. I'm a 17-year-old kid. So anyway, this guy's laying face down on the ground, and uh, he starts to get up to his knees. Now, a guy just a few steps away from me is one of the guys with the 2x4. And as that guy gets up on his knees, this guy tees off on him and hits him with the 2x4. Now, this guy goes down flat on his face. This whole thing was pretty brutal and pretty hard to watch in spite of what went on before. Now, the police show up at this thing and they push the crowd back saying, you know, get back, he's hurt. And this is when I heard the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. After seeing this guy get hit with cinder blocks and bricks and a two-by-four, and he's out unconscious on the ground, the cop says, everybody back up, he's hurt. And then some fucking knucklehead in the back yelled out, "Uh, he's just faking. (laughs) Yeah, he's fucking faking, all right. Well, 
The cops took him away in an ambulance. He was fine. He lived. Everything was fine there. The parents that owned the home because kids got cut ended up getting sued big time. That guy with the two-by-four that teed off on him ended up going to court and almost went to jail over this thing because that was a criminal act. But that's all neither here nor there. My point is, the situation we have in Ukraine right now with this war with Russia reminds me of that situation. People come in hard and strong, and people aren't fighters. They aren't looking for a fight, so they immediately back off, and then when they see weapons, they fucking bolt. They get out of there. But the moment this crowd of people who started the aggression looks weak, then all these people converge. They realize they've got more people, they've got more power, and then they get vicious. That's what happened in the party. That's what's starting to happen in Ukraine. You're seeing a lot of different things going on than when it first started. You saw Russia take over towns and territories. Well, you know what? Ukraine is starting to push them back, take it back, taking back towns. They're now being the aggressor. They're seeing they have power as the Russians become weaker. They have no fuel. They have no food. They have no ammo. Their morale is horrible. Now, these guys are becoming sitting ducks because they've got nothing to fight with or not as much as the Ukrainians. Russians can't win the war of attrition. They have no way of winning the war of attrition. Yes, there were 200,000 troops on the border that came into Ukraine. But Ukraine is a country of 40 million people. Now, maybe 5 million have left the country. So say we're at 35 million people. Now, not all of those people are fighters, but a lot of the civilians got guns and decided to go to war to save their country. Ukraine, quite simply, has more people. They can't Russia can't win the war of attrition. And then we see all this other shit going on. Russia brings some ships offshore of Ukraine. And they're real proud of these big, powerful ships. It shows how strong the Russian military is. They were bragging about it. And this one big, major, premier ship that they brought in was bringing in all of these uh, supplies for their troops to keep them strong and keep them fighting. They were so cocky about this ship that they had a TV crew on it so it could go back to the citizens in Russia and show how strong they were. Well, guess what? Ukraine blew that motherfucker out of the water. The two other ships that were sitting next to it started on fire and they bolted the fuck out of Dodge because they knew what was coming. Here's Russia, this big, powerful country, thinking they can overpower, overwhelm Ukraine. And now they're taking down planes, they're taking down helicopters, they're taking down tanks, and now even fucking ships. The NATO NATO is saying that they're estimating the amount of troops lost by Russia is 15,800 troops. That is astonishing. That is incredible. And that is very embarrassing to Russia and Vladimir Putin. They're in a bad way in Russia. They're now becoming the weak sister, if you will, in Ukraine. The tide is turning, and Ukraine is fighting back, and they've got a lot of people, and they're 
got a lot of courage and they got a lot of anger of this. Russia has done a lot of destruction to their country, so there's a lot of revenge in these fucking people's minds. And now Russia is becoming the weaker part of this situation. I know people are going to argue with me, no, Russia's strong. Well, show me where they've shown they're strong. They've lost every step of the way. The Russian army is literally and figuratively running out of gas. Russia is on the way to becoming the equivalent of a lame animal in the woods. And while they're still fighting, at some point down the line, they are going to become the prey. I'm convinced of this. Uh, They can't hold out much longer. They've got days before they've got nothing. And if they're sitting in the middle of Ukraine and they've got nothing, like that kid at that party... Well, people are going to say, well, fuck that. We're going after him. We can win. We can beat this son of a bitch. So we're going to do it. Watch that happen in Ukraine. You're going to see something along those lines. No question about it. I also wanted to bring up something that was kind of interesting, kind of funny, actually. Did you hear that Donald Trump is suing Hillary Clinton, several other Democratic people, including the, uh, the Democratic National uh, Committee. He's suing them. And uh, what he's suing them for is trying to rig the 2016 election by tying the Trump campaign to Russia. <laughs> now, didn't Donald win 2016? I mean, what's he suing over? He didn't lose the fucking election. He won the election. But Donald is so... Uh, delusional. He thinks he can throw anything out there and people will crowd around and say, yeah, Donald, you're right. You're right. That's a good idea. Now, in the uh, lawsuit, it says, acting in concert, the defendants maliciously conspired to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign sovereignty. A lot of big words in that. That's That's very good. They allege racketeering and conspiracy to commit injurious falsehoods. (laughs) Is that even a fucking thing? I don't know. I don't think it is. (laughs) Now, I don't know why anybody would think Donald Trump might have colluded with Russia. I mean, the Mueller report proved that he did. I mean, he... um, invited Russian spies into the Oval Office and gave him some uh, top-secret information when it comes to deciding whether to believe Vladimir Putin over the meddling or the intelligence agencies in the United States. He chose Vladimir Putin. He says Vladimir Putin's smart for invading Ukraine, that he's a good guy, that they're best buddies. (laughs) And even the fact that Russia meddled in the 2016 and the 2020 elections, we know they did that. And they did it to benefit Donald Trump. I don't know why anybody would think Donald Trump is colluding with the Russians. All the money he ever got for his businesses in the last 20 years has come from Russia through Deutsche Bank. Eric and uh, Don Jr. have told us as much. Why would you think we're connected to Russia? Now, here's the thing that's interesting about this. (laughs) If the lawsuit actually goes through, and it's not going to go through, there is no basis for this lawsuit. First and foremost, uh, if it's going after racketeering, 
there is a statute of limitations, and that is four years. Now, I know Donald Trump is not good with math, and I'm guessing his lawyer's not either, and I'll tell you about him in a moment. But but two, uh, 2016 to 2022 is six years. <laughs> so it's not even within the statute of limitations. And if he's going for some kind of defamation or slander or whatever the fuck he wants to do, Donald Trump is a public person. For them to sue somebody uh, or be to, to sue somebody for those things is very difficult. They have to show some kind of injury to do that. And he won the fucking election. <laughs> so where's the problem? This is just what Donald does. He's dumb. And when he gets angry, he says, oh, you're going to do that to me. I'll do it to you. I'll fucking do it to you. Even if it makes no sense. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, what fucking attorney would even do this? I mean, Donald Trump's notorious for not paying attorneys, right? And uh, he's gone through many lawsuits. How many lawsuits did he go in after the election trying to prove there was fraud? And not one of them was found in his favor. In fact, most of them weren't even heard, not even at the Supreme Court. Nobody heard a fucking thing because there was no basis in law for the lawsuit. He's getting sued by all kinds of people. That's his answer to everything. You're suing me, I'm going to sue you. (laughs) But they never come to fruition. Donald Trump is being just like Vladimir Putin in this situation. He's a bully. So all he knows how to do is threaten and hope to God that people will give up and fade away. Vladimir Putin did that with Ukraine. He got fucked on that deal. Donald Trump is doing the same here. He tries to waste time. He tries to threaten people because the power of Donald Trump is hanging over your head and you're going to give up. But uh, no, that's not going to happen. What happens is these people keep doubling down and doubling down and doubling down until they fail. And even after they fail, they still keep pushing because they can't, for the life of them, admit they were wrong. And that's what Donald Trump will do in this case. This case will never see the light of day because there's no basis in law. Now, getting back to what I was saying about his attorney. Now, here's a former president of the United States, an alleged billionaire. You would think he would have the best attorneys ever. Trouble is, he doesn't pay his attorneys. He's burnt too many bridges and nobody wants to work with him. Not to mention, he's the absolute worst client in the world to fucking have because he won't shut his mouth. Well, his attorney on this particular lawsuit is a gentleman by the name of Peter Tickton, his law firm. (laughs) He's got a website address, too. But if you go to the website address, (laughs) there's nothing there. (laughs) Fucking nothing there at all. Now, it turns out Peter Tickton has known Donald Trump for a long time. In fact, he was in military school and high school with Donald Trump, and he's been an on-and-off friend since that time. (laughs) He even wrote a book, My Time with Donald Trump, from military school to now. You never heard of the book because it's a shitty book, and it probably never sold shit. He probably had some vanity press print up 10 or 12 of them, and now he thinks he's a fucking author. But anyway, 
In addition to those things I just told you, it turns out he's been disciplined multiple times for unethical behavior as a lawyer. (laughs) I mean, this fucking guy is just a shyster. He's an idiot. He's a slime bucket. And he's representing a former president of the United States. That's the best that Donald Trump can get. So even if they went to trial, they have no fucking chance at all. This clown's going to beat Hillary Clinton or the the Democratic uh, National uh, Committee? No, I don't think so. This is just a joke. This is just show for Donald Trump, and that's all he does, and he constantly fails when he does this. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, it appears as though the House Select Committee is getting ready to refer Trump trade advisor Peter Navarro and Trump Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino to the uh, Department of Justice for criminal contempt. Now, you know these guys. They're two arrogant, stupid, conspiracy theory motherfuckers. They suck Donald Trump's backside. And uh, when they were asked to testify in front of the House Select Committee, they said, oh, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. Then they sent them subpoenas and they said, we have executive privilege, even though the Supreme Court said, no, you don't. (laughs) So they're riding this thing out. They're being the tough guys. Well, now they're being referred to the Department of Justice for criminal contempt. They're going to have to face real indictments, a real trial, and real accountability. I think it's like a $10,000 or $100,000 fine and maybe up to a year in jail. Who knows what they get? But the fact of the matter is they're going to be tied up in a trial for a long time. They're going to spend a lot of money on legal fees. And it's all because they're supporting Donald Trump. It's pretty hilarious. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Because now that there's real accountability... I have a feeling they're going to change their minds. That maybe, yeah, maybe we will testify. What I'm hoping, though, is that the House Select Committee says, look, we got all the information we need. We really don't need their shit. And the fact is, they already committed the offense. Fuck you. You don't get to testify. We're going to prosecution. You don't get a second chance. You had your chance. You had a first, second, third chance, and you didn't take it. So fuck you. You're going to court. That's what they should do with this clown. But we'll see what happens. (laughs) It's going to be entertaining. Last thing I wanted to mention, we had the Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmation hearing. It was a clown show. The Republicans made fools of themselves. Katanji Brown-Jackson made the Republicans look like fools. It was absolutely ridiculous. She will be confirmed. However, Mitch McConnell stood up yesterday and said, uh, well, after looking at what Katanji Brown-Jackson said, her track record and all this, I'm not going to vote for her. Oh, big fucking surprise. Is any Republican going to vote for her? Probably some, but certainly not Mitch McConnell. And then Lindsey Graham. (laughs) He, He did the dumbest shit of anybody during this hearing, and he tried to tear Ketanji Brown Jackson apart, but the reverse happened. Ketanji Brown Jackson made him look like a fucking idiot. 
a pointless fucking idiot. I don't know if Donald Trump is threatening him with pictures or whatever the fuck, but Lindsey Graham did not come off like the smart veteran senator that we know him to be. But uh, he says, yeah, I'm not going to uh, vote for him. <laughs> which is ironic because just over a year ago when they were trying to confirm her for the district court, he voted for her. He liked her a lot. Now, the reason he's saying he doesn't like her in this situation is because one of the other potential candidates was a judge from South Carolina, his home state. In fact, uh, Van Clyburn, uh, was a Van uh, Clyburn, the, 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 uh, the House member, said uh, that he recommended uh, judge um, from South Carolina because he knew her and it was a good choice and they needed candidates. Well, for whatever reason, Joe Biden decided to go with Katanji Brown Jackson instead. I'm sure the other, uh, I think her name is uh, Childress or Childs or something like that. Uh, I'm sure she's fine too and I'm sure she's very brilliant in her own right, but Katanji Brown Jackson is an excellent candidate and because of that, now, uh, Lindsey Graham isn't going to vote for her. <laughs> I fucking love this shit, man. Lindsey Graham, he's not long for his seat. He's going to lose sometime soon. The tide is turning on a lot of things, including the Republican Party. They're looking foolish. They're looking bad. They're looking corrupted. And they're looking criminal. Things aren't looking good for them come November in the midterm elections. All right, let's wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to sit and listen to me ramble. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.